On this episode of the 132 Breeze podcast, everything is back. We talk Tiger, we talk NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, this little thing called Major League Baseball. Go back a week before to the national title game. Uh, we talk about spring games and spring practices. Who really cares? Casey's corner kick and also predictions for Game of Thrones. All right, let's start the show. Everything is back this weekend. <laughs> Tigers back. Playoffs back. Tax season's back. Game of Thrones is back. Anything else is back. Casey's back. What else you got? Snow's back. Snow is back. That's true. Actually, how much snow did you get? We got we got a good amount of snow. Uh, it's hard to tell because it was it was like right at the 32 degrees, so right at that freezing point. Uh, it snowed like all day. Um, enough to get out playing it. Made a snowman on freaking April 14th. Unbelievable. Uh, so great packing snow, great, you know, snowball fight snow, that kind of stuff. Uh, so got out there was watching the Masters through the gift of technology, uh, watching the early start Masters while making a snowman. It was a, a pretty surreal uh, thing to kind of see, you know, the normal uh, shots of Augusta, you know, the, the beauty you that is there. You. Yeah, all of that. You know, springtime there while I'm, you know, soaking wet because <laughs> I'm trying to build a snowman in the snow. Uh, so snow's back uh, along with with all the other things. Um, man, mid mid April, and here we are, Marl. Here wow. we are indeed. Spring spring's gonna be here at some point. <laughs> at some one, point, one of these days, it will yeah. be here. Yeah, uh, we but but I guess for sure, where we should start, Marlo. I guess anything else back for you before we move on to the to the sports. Uh, I did do my taxes just nice. like an hour ago. So okay. Whew. made it whew, through, we through did the it. deadline. We did it. Excellent, excellent. Um, I did, I did mine months ago. I was very prepared for, for tax season. Uh, I, we talked about this a little bit beforehand. Uh, I'm going to lose the W-2s if I don't do it right away. So I have to do it before I lose them and so I can get them, you know, the taxes filed as well as you know the, the important tax documents filed. All right. I'm sure our, our uh, listeners really want to hear about us talk about Texas. All right, Marl, on to the big news of the day. I, I There's nowhere else I can think that we should start other than Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, he went. He wins a master, wins yep. another major, gets the green jacket again yep. for the fifth time? Fifth time. Fifth time. What a, what a scene on Sunday. Yeah. I, I think for me, it, kind of going through the week as he was, you know, giving chase, and we've been here mm-hmm. before with the, yep. the Tiger is back. He's almost back. He's almost all the way back. And then to see him come through on Sunday, uh, two down, come through, and, and really just really outlast people uh, mm-hmm. when it really came down to it. It was almost the old Tiger, that last group, he was just kind of staring at him, and they just couldn't, they couldn't stand the heat. And at the end of the day, Tiger comes through with the W. Yeah, wins by a stroke. Uh, on the day over uh, Kepka, uh, I think 
so I, I was I was like you. I was kind of like, okay, he's in it. He's in it on the first day. All right, here we go. You know, he's in on the second day. All right, not leading, but he's 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 close. You know, and then it felt like uh, he needed to be leading going to last round. It, I, the, kind of the famous set out there was that he had never kind of come back from behind to win uh, the Masters or you know any any of the of the major uh, tour events. Uh, he always needed to kind of be tied for the lead or in the lead. So him being two back going into the last round, you're kind of like, I don't know. And before it's always been like, but it's, you know, in this one it was, what is it, Malinari uh, was his name? Yeah. He was leading. And you're like, but he's not proven, but that hasn't really been the case in the past. He's never kind of been able to chase people down. So when the day ended on Saturday, I was kind of sitting there going, maybe he missed a shot. Maybe he missed the opportunity. Uh, Then weather happened, Marlo. They moved up the tournament. Uh, it started, I think the leaders teed off at 7.30 local time. It was like 8.30 uh, Augusta time. Uh, how did, uh, normally they're teeing off at what, 12.30, 1.30? Uh, so you're, they're, they're finishing around kind of that sunset-ish time, uh, you know, or closer to that, you know, 5, 6 o'clock local time here. Um, what did you think of that? It was a, obviously a shift in the schedule. Uh, did you like that? Did you like it being earlier or... How did that affect, I guess, your view and experience of it? It was awesome. Oh wow! Uh, the early the early tea time was so great. Like it was done <laughs> with by like everything was done with before two o'clock. Yeah, uh, and it was like, wow, look at this! It's Master Sunday. I still have my day left. Let's go do yeah. something. Huh. Um, but it, I also liked the way they had to give. Yeah, they have three people in the thing. It just seemed like there was more action going on at once. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of it, uh, so it's great and just. Just do this every time. Every time. <laughs> yeah, I thought the uh, triplets instead of the pairings was was interesting. Um, I think it added a little bit to it because it wasn't just uh, Tiger and Molinari. It was Finau was there as well, although he didn't play much of a role down the stretch uh, as much as it kind of seemed like he was going to. Uh, it was interesting having the groupings. Everything seemed to felt like it moved a little bit faster. Um, as somebody who likes to partake in their kind of mid-round golf nap, uh, I did not like it being moved up in the morning. Uh, nap time's not, you know, what would be 11 o'clock. It was that 2 to 3 range where I normally kind of doze off on the couch. So that kind of got taken away from me. Although in this uh, in this circumstance, with Tiger actually in the hunt with him performing, I'm not sure that that would have happened this time. Uh, so I mentioned earlier that this was the first time uh, that he was not leading or tied for the lead entering the final round. Um I guess. Do you want to go? Do you want to? I have a little bit of a, a golf analysis, Marlo. Or do you want me to go into that, or should we kind of go continue with the narrative aspect of this? What way do you want to take this? <laughs> you know, I, I, okay. Now you have me curious. What's the? What's your analysis? All right, golf analysis. Going into it, so the first half of the round, I'm following along, and he kind of has the momentum. He's hanging in there. He's creeping up on uh, the leader, and then hole ten, he bogeyed. And then hole 11, he parred. And I felt like he lost the momentum. I thought he was like really putting pressure on the leader, you know, kind of staying with him. And he fell, at that point, he fell two back. But then the 12th hole happened. And that's where. The 12th hole was uh, crazy. Par three. uh, And before that, uh, Kepka and I forget who else, whoever was playing with Kepka, they bogeyed and double bogeyed on hole 12. They were the group before uh, the final group. And then Tony Finau and. Uh, Molinari came up and they both double bogeyed. Tiger just played it safe 
and got a par out of it, so gained two strokes on the hole. That felt like a complete momentum switch. Here I was thinking that he was going to kind of fall back, kind of lose track, lose touch with the leaders, uh, but that hole kind of turned everything around. And then he oh, got 100%. down. So when they when Tiger took the he took the last shot on that hole. Yep, because uh, he bogeyed in. I you could see the little I could see the little smirk kind of crack on his face when he saw the two balls go in the water, and he's like he just laid it up right there in the green. Yep, uh, knowing he just had to get a par, and all he would get two strokes from there. And you, that's when you saw the little Tiger smirk, and it was like it's over now. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't. Well, maybe because then he went in on. Uh, I just kind of jotted down 15, 16, and seventeen. All those drives, he was just dialed in. He was nailing his shots. He wasn't, you know, getting great. He wasn't running away with it, right? But he was yeah. doing what he needed to do. He was making good drives. He wasn't losing it. You know, kind of how we've become used to watching Tigers. He's in it. He's in it. He's in it. And then all of a sudden, he's not. So we were as long as he was staying in that lane, hitting those fairways, which is one of the areas he struggles, making the putts another area he struggles. In those holes, he was just doing what he needed to do. And then when it got to the 18th hole, he waited to see if Kepka made or missed his putt on the 18th green. Kepka had a shot to hit a birdie putt to put the pressure on Tiger, make it only a one-stroke contest. Kepka missed the putt, just left. And uh, Tiger then knew he had essentially just had to bogey the last hole to win. Um, so overall, I just felt like down at least the last nine holes, he just played the course so well. He played it so smart. Uh, he went for it when he had an opportunity to, and he played it safe when he needed to. On the 12th hole, obviously, we already talked about was a great example of that. Um, and then on the 18th hole, he had to essentially three putt to tie. He only needed a two putt to yep. win and he had the first putt and he wanted that putt so bad you could oh, yeah. when he missed it uh just a little spit it just missed the lip of the of the hole and he kind of he flipped the putter and, and caught it which was pretty impressive because i i've tried to do that quite a many times uh, as i miss many putts and act like i was so close even though i had really no shot and didn't know what i was doing uh he wanted it so bad and then i was for a second i was a little bit worried that that was going to throw him off but it was uh, perhaps too close of a putt to really worry about that, and he tapped it in uh, to bogey and win by a stroke. So that was a, a, my golf analysis, Marlon. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. I just think that the, where it came through was that back nine. Yeah, I just you just really felt like he. I think, like I said before, he kind of just outlasted everyone. He was playing, mm-hmm. of course, he was playing his game. Um, you know, nothing really rattled him, or he. You know, didn't press too much when he mm-hmm. didn't need to. Uh, was just taking his shots and making it. So, um, yeah, bravo to your yeah. analysis. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, it was the people who had the low rounds ahead of him, the Dustin Johnson, the Xander, whatever that guy's name was, the other guy, I can't remember his name, who made runs almost out of nowhere, and all of a sudden you're like, who's this? They're one back, or they're t- now tied for the lead. They were ahead of him on the course. So he had time to make that up. And then the people he was playing with or around him who were kind of at that same score of him didn't run away with. So he didn't really have the pressure on him to make those risks. He could play it a little bit safer and uh, was able to and play it smartly and get his uh, 16th now, 16th major victory. And 16th major. Un- un- unbelievable. Three back from Jack. Are we getting this right? I think Jack has 18. That's the part. 
All right, we'll look into it. We'll Google yeah. it while I. You can Google it while I'm talking about some other things. So, a couple stats on this, I guess. Uh, his first major since 2008. 2008. Marlo, we were almost in college then. My God, uh, that's the longest gap between majors. One. Uh, he's the second oldest to win the Masters. Uh, Jack was older when he won in '86. He's Tiger Woods is 43 year old, 15. 43 years old. Fifteenth. Uh, so now Maybe. it's the fifteenth. All right. Yep. And how many does Jack have? Eighteen, seventeen. All right. 18. He's eighteen. Yeah, He's three back. All right. <clears throat> he's the second player to win the Masters in three different decades, which is kind of arbitrary, but I like that. Uh, Jack Nicholas, obviously, the other one to do that. Um, and the st- narrative I think out there, Marlowe, is: Is this the best sports? comeback now let me start off by saying like there's game comebacks right like there's individual or like series comebacks you know let's think series comes back Cavs over the Warriors when they're down 3-1 something like that or individual games if we think like Duke Louisville in here but like a narrative player comeback and I thought about this for a while Marlo and I to go from his height to winning 14 before this, right? 14, let's say between 14 in a decade, let's say from 98 to 2008 to winning zero for 11 years to then coming back and winning the Masters. It, I think it, I think it has to be from an individual narrative player standpoint. Marlo, let me read you. I I mean, even just even the arbitrary years is what he went through with just, you know, his personal stuff. Oh, golf, golf club through the windshield. Yeah. All that going down. Then the injuries. Yeah, I mean the injuries happened before that, and then that happened. Then more injuries, and yeah, you know, at one point, people were asking, "Is he even going to play golf again?" Right. You know, let alone you know win another major. And then all the talk about he's he's done. He's not going to win another major. Um, we've talked about how he's almost back for so many long for so right. long. And then, oh yeah, yeah, to actually come through in the Masters and like you said from behind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so just break, a fantastic story. Breaking a break. For, the never winning from being behind, I think, is such a big part of this. As such a counter to everything that he's ever done before. Marley, you mentioned the injuries. I just want to read. Go through. I'm just going to go through a list. 2008, he wins the U.S. Open. This was the last major he won before this. On a torn ACL. He won the 2008 Open on a torn ACL. So naturally, he had to have surgery after that. 2010, neck injury. 2011, sprained MCL and Achilles injury. 2012, Achilles injury. 2014, back surgery. 2015, back surgery. 2017, back surgery 2019 wins the masters crazy not to mention you alluded to personal things that happened during then even leaving that out of it to come back from all of that and win the only i I was kind of doing some research trying to think of somebody the only thing i could come up with that was close was peyton manning with his neck surgery and then yeah, he was obviously on the Colts, won a Super Bowl there, had the next surgery, went on to the Broncos, and then won a Super Bowl there. That was the next closest thing I could come to to this. And this is significantly above that. Um, there are individual players who you know, have had injuries and come back from those injuries, but from the, I guess, mountaintop to the valley that Tiger Woods had, the length of the valley, the things to overcome to get back up to this mountaintop, is is crazy and i think one of the most interesting things about it marlo and, and something i want to get your take on is how everybody wanted it yes everybody did which 
if we think back to who Tiger Woods was in 2005, not the most likable guy. He won. He was fantastic on the golf course, but not not the most friendly person. (laughs) Didn't treat everybody great. And all the personal things you mentioned that came out and he went through, those are all there. But is it just a, is it a golf thing? Is it a Tiger? Was it why did every? I mean, fans wanted it. I mean, my God, Jim oh, Nance wanted oh. it so bad on the broadcast, <laughs> and it seemed like the other golfers wanted this to happen. Um, why? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think at the time when Tiger's at his height and he's the one, everyone gives him credit for bringing golf to where it was, bringing the purses to where they were, yep. making a lot of money for everybody else because. He was the show. Mm-hmm. He was bringing eyeballs to golf. And then I I believe that everyone, you know, he got to the top and then, you know, people want to kind of see him come down because you get tired of seeing the same person at the top for yeah. a while. And then you realize what you're missing when it's gone. <laughs> and, and and then, the, like, the comeback, like, the story that was going on, the story that it would be if this would happen, I think it's hard not to cheer for just as a – uh, even if a, you're a casual fan, you're a hardcore golf fan, um, it's just a great story that it's hard in the moment to just sit there and, and not root for that. And I think to that point, like everyone that was coming through the clubhouse and doing the interview yeah. um, as they're coming off the course, it, it was I was kind of like I kind of felt bad for them because it always came back to Tiger, even though some of them made it come back to Tiger on their own. Uh, they just asked the question about how the round went, and he, they were like, well, the crowds were great because Tiger was doing great. Yeah. And the energy was awesome because Tiger was out there. Yeah. Um, First- yeah, I, I, think, <laughs> I think that has a lot to play into it, that he has raised the level of the sport so much that it's almost paying homage. Yeah. First question to uh, Kepka was, how do you think Tiger feels about this? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> he just had to look at the interviewer and be like, I missed the birdie putt, and I would have tied him. Like, what? Seriously? Um, no, but I, I think you're right. I think I think the story was so great, and I think, and if you think about who's going to these, you know, golf tournaments now, who are fans of golf? They all have this memory of the great Tiger Woods. This is what probably brought most of them to the game of golf. To be, if we're being honest, and right. like to see him go through all that and to come back is such an such an amazing story. Um, and I, I'm, I'm sure that there will be lots of articles and books written in the next, you know, couple days and months that will far outweigh our, uh, you know, take on it. But man, it was it was fun to enjoy, and it really felt like a sports moment. I'm going to remember. Like I'm going to yeah. like I was. I'm watching. My son uh, is watching with me. He's three years old. Obviously, he doesn't know what the heck is going on. But I'm like explaining to him as I'm watching this. I'm like. This is Tiger Woods. He won. And then he goes to my wife. He goes, hey, mom, Tiger Woods won. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, that's, I know that he he's not going to remember that. Probably not going to remember that. But like, yeah. it, it just felt like something like, I want him to, I want him to remember this. I want him to know that this happened. And it was that significant of a sports story to, to me, I think, and to the sports world at large. Speaking of which, when he hit that putt, and was going crazy. Did you cry? I didn't cry. Uh, I got more dusty when he hugged his son in a little yeah. afterwards. Oh yeah. Uh, although <laughs> when he so 
if the clip is out there, he goes up and he he hugs his son, and uh, it, it the golf does this so well, just brings the family and the dadness into it. So much dadness, yep. in the, especially yep. in Augusta, <laughs> especially in the Masters. Yeah. Uh, so there was that. He yeah, was like he was excited. He was that. I was like, finally, I was like, I see him getting teared up. Like, God, why am I getting teared up? <laughs> okay, this is cool. It's just golf. I'm like, I, you know, yeah, just a moment. Yeah. Then when he hugs his son. It was over. <laughs> it was so over. And That's then, so funny. And then Jim Nance is out there talking, and like within a minute, they have they do the rollback of when he hugged his dad oh, yeah. in '97, yeah, yeah. followed right by hugging his son, and then that got me going again. I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, I'm not crying. <laughs> that guy is golf. There's no crying in golf. Uh, yeah, no. They they definitely that I uh, in the uh, what is it the uh, post. Round interview. Jim Nance was definitely trying to get Tiger Woods to cry. It was so funny. Uh, yeah, it was it was emotional uh, for sure. Um, it was it was something. Um, at, the other thought I had when he's coming up, and I, I watched this replay a couple times just because again it's so emotional and the, the dad part was connecting with it. So he's going up to hug his son, and obviously earlier we saw the security guard uh, kind of clip tiger woods as he's coming out of the woods at one point there's a security guard standing up against the wall there who just moves his leg back in time for tiger woods son not to trip over it <laughs> go go look at that replay again i can't not see that after what happened earlier um man all right tiger woods he's he's back i honestly i i remember we've talked about this about tiger being back all i ever wanted was him to just be involved on a sunday just be around yeah. and for him to win, I mean, it's it's like all it's all gravy from here, right? We're not going to be sitting here like if he doesn't qualify at the U.S. Open or something, like or, he qualifies. I mean, but he doesn't make the cut or something. It's it doesn't matter anymore. He did it. He made it back. He won again. It's everything's gravy from here, and uh, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the questions have been answered, and he's he's back. And I I don't know for me. Like he can go on and win five more majors. He could. I, I'm not saying he can't or won't do that, but like from like my fandom, my following this narrative, like this story is complete for me, and everything here is from from here on is gravy. But I hope he wins a lot more. <laughs> I, I, hope, I, hope, fun. I hope he passes Jack. That's the next thing. Yeah, that uh, conversation is going to get wound up tenfold. Oh, uh, it's gonna. That it just doesn't sound. If it happens, it obviously will be meaningful. But like, I don't know. I, at this moment, like, so much kind of fandom sports emotion, right? Not real emotion. Well, some real emotion, but like, the sports narrative and emotion has been wound up into getting here. It seems unfair to go. Okay, what's next? A little bit. Yeah. It seems a little yeah, bit unfair. It's, it's gonna enjoy happen. I know it's gonna happen. But yeah. like, I just want to be like, he freaking did it. He wasn't only just involved. He won, and as you mentioned, outlasted. Everybody, uh, all right. Wow, all right. Tiger, Tiger Woods. Got all Woo. the Tiger talk. Woo. Woo. All right. He's like eight to one to win the <laughs> next major. <laughs> Something ridiculous. <sighs> Do you see some guy bet like ninety thousand dollars on him? Of course. Anyone? No, so he bet. I think it was like eighty-five or ninety thousand. He won one point two million, something like that. It's a big bet. Big bet. That's a big bet. All right. 
All right, moving on from the Masters, Marlo, right? Yep, moving on from the Masters. Uh, All right. NBA? Yeah, let's... Playoffs back. Yeah, playoffs are back. Finally, after what seemed like forever of more or less meaningless basketball uh, as the regular season wound down and... It didn't seem like anybody really cared about their playoff positioning. There were a few teams in each conference that were trying to get in, kind of, it seemed like, but not really, um, where too meaningful basketball. And I guess the the storyline, at least of yesterday, less so today, was playoff upsets. Uh, with Brooklyn w- winning over the 76ers, uh, San Antonio winning over the Denver Nuggets, and Orlando Magic defeating the Toronto Raptors. So all of those were upsets. Um, and I guess the way I will approach this, Marlo, is who do you think... Every So before I get into that, NBA fans were all going crazy like, this is so great, the NBA is awesome, look at how these other teams can win. Like it's March Madness, yeah. like this is insanity. Yeah, They're all well, still it, probably going to lose. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It, it would be different too, and this is why the NBA should go back to the first round five games. Because, like you said, most likely they're they're not going to find a way to win three more games right. in a seven-game series. That's just tough to do. In a five-game series, okay, it's, it's a little yeah. more profitable. But, um, yeah, this was definitely a day where, like, NBA, the hardcore NBA fan was like, this is our league. This yeah, is why this is league. This, yeah, it's so exciting. <laughs> this league. Yeah, this is so exciting. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, who's most likely to yeah, kind of win out of those- on? Out of those three, if I had to pick one, you know, you go with the, I, you know, go with the Spurs. Just yeah. Popovich. Yeah. It's Popovich and the Spurs, and you know, find a way. I feel like 76ers are just much more talented to Brooklyn, and uh, same thing with the Raptors um, and the Magic. But at the same time, you think about it, like I wouldn't be as surprised if the Magic found a way to beat the Raptors because the Raptors just even <laughs> they just it's just something about the Raptors in the playoffs. Yeah. Don't work. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I would. I was leaning towards the Spurs because of Popovich. Uh, I think the Nuggets are the least talented of the other three teams who who lost their first round. I think they're the most. Before uh, the playoffs started, I, I would probably have picked them as the most likely to be upset. But I'm going to go with the Brooklyn 76ers. Maybe this is just wishful thinking. Um, but I think Brooklyn can represent a guard-heavy lineup. Uh, led by D'Angelo Russell, that can give the 76ers problems. They don't really have a guard who can def- shut down other teams' guards, uh, and maybe D'Angelo can do enough or the other guards can shoot well enough. And there's been a lot of dysfunction on this 76ers team, and they have a lot of talent that should overcome that. But, you know, we have the story coming out of, was it Amir Johnson and Embiid looking at cell phones on the bench? At the end of the game, which yeah. is, I don't know how big of a story that is, but like yeah. the fact that it's tweeting about them. Yeah. The, the fact that it had, I don't, I don't know. Cause I feel like an old man being like these players shouldn't be tweeting on their, you know, tweeting on their cell phones, being on their cell phone uh, during the game. Uh, it feels a little old manish, ish, uh, but at the same time, that make, shows they're kind of checked out and it shows there might kind of be issues. And, then the 76ers has to address those issues. Their fans are booing Ben Simmons, which, I mean, they're Philadelphia fans. That's what they do. They just boo their own team because they're ridiculous. But there might be something under the surface there that might cause them to kind of falter and sputter. And Brooklyn just being a happy to be there, let's see how good we can do team, uh, might pull it out. Uh, 
I would love to see the Magic win. <laughs> I would love to see the Raptors go down. Uh, and there is a little bit to the playoff Raptors. Uh, Kyle Lowry seems just like a different player <laughs> in the playoffs. Like he just falls apart in the playoffs. It's happened year after year. It happened in this one game. I know that's a small sample, but so there's, I guess I, that was a long way of saying, it. I think there's reasons to worry for all of these teams. Uh, obviously losing the worst game is reason in it of itself, uh, but I would pick Brooklyn as the most likely to emerge. And uh, just because I think there's a lot of cracks in the ice of the 76ers, despite their talent. Uh, with that said, 76ers will probably win the next four. The way my predictions have been going <laughs> lately. Uh, but yeah, if you're a betting person out there, yeah, you should put a lot of money on the service. Yeah, just because I picked, just because I picked Brooklyn in that. Uh, but I w- again, I'm not. A lot of people are getting excited about these first game wins in the seven game series. It's hard to upset a team. It's very hard to upset a better team. Yeah. So we'll see. We will see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Or give like yeah I don't know because you don't want like your you don't want like Golden State this year Golden State losing in the first round or the Bucks losing like that would be bad I don't know there should they they should just get by so I don't know there should be some middle ground <laughs> it takes too long never mind go back to five because they were showing the so the Bucks schedule they're showing it during the game and they're like game seven if necessary is like the end of April Ugh. it's like these series could take two weeks it's insane. And if one of the it will totally yeah I will to, we'll forget you know because yeah even even if it does take five games we'll totally forget that the, f- the first game was like won by <laughs> the Magic yeah uh, or whatever so yeah that's the NBA for you that it, that it is all right well speaking of the Bucks as I, I attempted to bring them up uh, the Bucks defeated the Pistons kind of this second half which I guess didn't matter happened while we were. Uh, prepared and started recording. The Bucks won 121 to 86. Uh, so Ooh. yeah, yeah they were nervous? they were up 40 something when I kind of I kind of switched off in the in the third quarter. Um, not nervous. Uh, game started out with a uh, Brooke Lopez slam dunk that TNT gave to Detroit, which was really confusing. <laughs> uh, and then I got called out for watching the game on TNT instead of the <laughs> Bucks <laughs> broadcast. Thanks to Cubes for that. Uh, anyway, so Bucks comfortably take game one, uh, but it was without Blake Griffin, who about an hour before the game was announced as being out. Uh, I did not anticipate this. I didn't think he was going to be out. I don't know how for how long he's out. So I don't know if you take this as, sure, the Bucks dominated, but it was out without Blake Griffin, or if you just kind of go, what's even the point of Blake Griffin playing? At this point, because the Bucks are just going to win, uh, I don't know. What do you, does it? Do you think it matters if Blake comes back? I mean, obviously it matters. He's the best no. player on the Pistons, right? But right. But at the same time, as we saw today, that is their only offensive weapon, and Blake's a good player. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but he they don't have the firepower to keep up with the Bucks at this point, yeah. even with Blake on the floor. Right. Yeah, for sure. Without. Uh, without Blake, it seemed like the Bucks just had an easy time playing defense against the Pistons. Uh, Brooke Lopez, or whoever was playing center, essentially just played zone and sat in the middle of the paint uh, with Andre Drummond out there and uh, whoever the heck else their other forwards and centers are. They can't shoot. <laughs> They're like a team from a, from like the mid-90s <laughs> transported here. Uh, and the uh, big men of the Bucks just sag off and help and 
Uh, Detroit just had such a hard time uh, scoring today. Got a little feisty towards the end. Uh, Andre Drummond got tossed on a pretty a pretty tough push down of Giannis uh, as he went up for a shot. Was it worth him getting tossed? I don't know. Maybe not in a con- close contentious game, but the fact that the game was over at that point. I mean, the Bucks were up at least 30 for that to be such a violent foul uh, at that point in the game, I think was okay. Uh, the other, I, I think Bucks fans are split on this. Thon Maker makes his return to play the Bucks for the first time since being traded. It feels like there's two camps in, at least in Bucks Twitter. Half of them are like, leave Thon alone, let him be his own person and cheer for him. And the other half is like, this dude wanted to be traded. Screw him. I fall into that camp a little bit. But it definitely felt good to kind of see him getting his playing time when he wasn't wasn't in foul trouble for trying to guard Giannis uh, on a terrible team, and that's what you asked for, Thon. And you know, you, you made your bed now; you have to lay in it, I guess. Um, so that's my take. Not mad. Not mad. I'm not mad. It's just it seemed it seemed so weird at the time that he's like, I'm on this really really good team, and I'm not playing as much as I think I should, and instead of trying to work my way into that rotation and play more, I'm going to request to be traded. Okay. I mean, we got Mirtich out of it, who's been injured a lot of the time and hasn't really lived up to what I thought he would be, but is he really... It's just it's weird that he... Thinking of him being on the Pistons and that being a better situation for him, which it very well may be in the long run, but it just feels weird right now, so I want to throw a little shade at him for that. Um... And that's it. I think the Bucks should. I'd be surprised if this game, uh, or the, excuse me, the series went five games. I think it's that easy uh, for the Bucks. Easy peasy. With that said, bet all your money on. <laughs> bet all your money on uh, the Pistons. No, don't. No, don't. That one. That would be bad. That'd be a bad choice. All right. Uh, other NBA news, Marlo. I just wanted to slot this in here in our attempt to explain pictures on the internet, things on the internet. To our fans, uh, Frank Frank Kaminsky wore the office themed shoes uh, with Prison Mike on one side, Dwight on the other. Uh, Jim in the uh, if you haven't seen the opening scene, this is I think my favorite one in all of the office where he uh, where he copies Dwight and he says Bears beats Battlestar Galactica, and Michael Scott wearing a world's best or holding up a world's best boss mug. Marlo, I explained it well to our fans. It's fantastic. Um, look into it. What do you think, Marlo? Uh, if you are an Office fan, these are the shoes for you. Yes, for sure. Uh, and they're even yeah, and they're even Jordan brand too on top of it. So not only do they have the <laughs> Office across like the strap, they yeah. have the Jordan Jumpman uh, on them as well. This fantastic. this might be enough for me to revive my basketball career, just so I can wear these. <laughs> just so I can wear these in a gym. Um, why not? Why not? They'll give me hope and at least a conversation piece. And God, the prison mic <laughs> picture is so great. The prison mic one is good. All right. Uh, <clears throat> all right. On to, I guess, let's go other NBA news, Marlo, and let's talk about maybe the weirdest thing that happened this season. Uh, Magic Johnson quitting, retiring? What's the word? Quitting, I guess. Quitting, quitting as down. president. Stepping down. Stepping down randomly. Uh, unbeknownst to anybody but Magic Johnson, 
during a random press conference as president. He's president of baseball op- basketball operations. And just leaving <laughs> leaving the Lakers. What do you think about him, yeah. Bob? He's out. Uh, that building is not big enough for two legends, apparently. Uh, LeBron has squeezed his way in there and has squeezed Magic out. I, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, Magic, when he came in a couple years ago, you know, he was determined to put Lakers back in the match, yeah. make them champions. Again. Yeah. And, you know, he was gonna he was going to do it. Um, it seemed like they were on a path. Like, this year was a disaster. Yeah. But it's the NBA. Like, you can be a disaster and then flip it around pretty quickly. Yeah. Especially if you... Especially if you have LeBron James on your team. Yeah, exactly. And it seemed like you're going that way. So this it's just weird. It is just weird and there's nothing else like it. There's no other word to really explain it. Yeah. Yeah, uh totally. It it was weird how he did it with the rambling press conference. It was weird uh the timing of it. It just seemed like he thought he was gonna come in and be Magic Johnson and not have like he just seemed like surprised by the amount of work it took to like run a basketball organization, um, which maybe he was surprised by that because he talked a lot about like he wasn't having fun anymore. He wasn't able to do the things he wanted to. It's like, no, dude, you're running the Lakers. Like you have to work. Obviously, I wouldn't say this to him. I wouldn't be like Magic Johnson, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> look at this, bro. Do you even know? Yeah, do you, do you not understand? No, but it it just it seemed to me like he didn't think he was going to have to work as hard as other people in his role would have to because he's Magic Johnson. Like things would just work out because he works for the Lakers and he magic he's Magic Johnson. That's the way I kind of interpreted it. Um and he's like I'm leaving the team in a great in great shape. No, no you're not. You're leaving them in a a lot of a lot of challenging situations. I mean, I think their strategy going into this year what should have been to not be good because they weren't going to be good. Obviously, they didn't end up being good. But even you can say LeBron got hurt. You could say things didn't go well. Obviously, uh, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball also had injuries throughout the year. But like at a best case, they were like a six seed, a five seed. Like they weren't going far in the playoffs as constructed, and they signed a bunch of players to one year deals, which was fine. They should have finished like where they did, tenth, and then just said this year's a throwaway, even though it's like one of the last few peak LeBron years, and then gone all in. But what screwed all that up was they tried to trade for Anthony Davis in the middle of the year. And and when that didn't go well, all of the young players they were trying to shop just kind of bailed on the season and who knows like for how long who knows if that's going to carry over in the next season that kind of screwed everything up because if you went into the season and just said our focus is to get our young core better and lebron's going to help them do that and maybe you win how whatever 50 games and you finish in the five or six seed and you get eliminated the first play round of the playoffs or lebron wills you to the second round and then you lose there fine successful year everybody's developed then you trade for anthony davis or you do the roster moves you need to do outside of that season and then you set yourself up for the next two three years but they panicked it felt like they panicked or they rushed it they rushed did, uh, did casey just make his case for like, yeah yeah for there you go operations. genie bus i hope you're listening 
no, but it it just it just seemed like a they had a plan and then they rushed it by trying to trade for Anthony Davis or maybe it was you know the Rich Paul Anthony Davis that whole clutch sports I don't know however all that works that rushed it but like the the plan obviously fell apart and maybe it was because Magic Johnson was just like I want to tweet at players and have fun and he wasn't yeah. able to do that. Not a lot of talk about players. Anymore. Yeah, which was yeah, that was that was so weird. I can't work out with Ben Simmons. Like, what? I don't, I don't understand why that's a thing. Uh, it's so <laughs> weird. You're president of an organization. Have some responsibility. Ah, uh, it's so bizarre. And then the way that that press conference, I watched it live because I was having to be around a computer then. And then I went back and I watched it again, and it's it's so baffling. Like he's. Like jovial, he's like Magic Johnson about. It. He's jovial. He's like joking about it, and it's like, it's so weird. It's such a weird press conference, and I don't know. It, it was such a bizarre, uh, bizarre situation. So Magic Johnson's out. Luke Walton's out. Yep. It's it's the Bronze organization now, I guess. Right? Like the, he's the only person with. I mean, uh, was it Rob Polinko or whatever the GM? He's still he's still there. Uh, they're talking yeah, about they're talking about bringing Tyrone Lue in as coach. I oh, mean, geez. I mean, <laughs> it's it's the bronze team, and like, yeah. if you're the Cavs, right, that's fine. If you're the Bucks and Giannis wants to do this kind of crap, you're like fine, right? We're the Bucks. <laughs> we, we, whatever you want, Giannis. We'll like, you're the Cavs. You could, but you're the Lakers. Like, as the Lakers, you'd think there'd be a little bit more institutional integrity, institutional. Uh, ability to say like, no, we have a greater plan. We can we can do this. But it it he's the only one with Santa Marlo, and I don't know. It's not good for the long term. I'll tell you that. But maybe it, it maybe it'll be okay for the next two years, three years. I don't know. It's tough. I don't know. Man, we just broke down the Lakers really good there. That's too much Laker talk. I'm sorry. There's a lot of Lakers. All right, moving on. D Wade Marlo, your boy. Yeah, D Wade, he's retiring. Did you know that? Heard about it. All right. I think he it's I, last... it's been more or less like a year long thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's been like a two year long. Thing. Yeah, that's true. He's been traded jerseys for like two years. <laughs> it's like <laughs> two years ago. He's like, just so you guys know, in a year, it's gonna be my last year. Watch out for that. Right. Watch out for that. Yeah. So it finally came to to a culmination his last home game in Miami this past week. Um and. It was great. They had the pageantry. Everyone was excited. The whole banana boat crew was there. Yeah. You had LeBron. <laughs> you had LeBron. Yeah, good yeah. thing he was in the playoffs, right? Woo. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you had CP3. Yeah. Um, I guess he's in the playoffs, but yeah. Yeah, but the whole crew was there. Um, they were all there on the court afterwards and celebrating D-Wade, passing out jerseys, signing them, giving all the interviews and... You know, guess who's just who? His good buddy LeBron is there every step of the way. Yeah, just trying to get in every interview and in every picture. Just congratulations! <laughs> such a great career that he had, and how he's still playing and, and moving on. Yeah. So congratulations, D Wade. Yeah, Carmelo Anthony was also there because he's not playing basketball, which is, right. I think that's a very weird part of this. Like, Carmelo Anthony's just done playing basketball. That seems so weird. Was such a fast fall. Yeah, I mean Dwayne Wade, like 
we've seen him play. He we've seen the heights he got to, right? And like yeah. the way he played, you felt like this can't last forever. And it didn't, you know, and we saw kind of a, a decline in his game. He on on nights he could still get up for it, but kind of over a season and over a series in the playoffs, he just couldn't reach that level anymore. Um one of the best shooting guards of all time. Um but Mello, it just felt like he was really good in playing basketball. And then he went to the Knicks and put up a lot of stats on a bad team. And then he was just done. Pretty much. Crazy. LeBron's still playing, though. Chris Paul's not hurt right now. So most of the banana boat's still playing. Yeah, most banana boat. Banana boat's there. Chris Bosh is done. You know one of the weird things about LeBron being there, though? Remember when he brought Dwayne Wade to Cleveland? And then I was like, thanks, but no thanks. That was yeah. weird. Yeah, that was weird. Nobody talks about that. I totally forgot about that, actually. Thanks for bringing that up. He was there for like a quarter of a season, and then they're like, no, nah, go back to Miami. It's <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Has there been any like any story on that? I haven't heard anything. No. No. Marlo. No, there hasn't been. There was no talk. If we had any sort of ability to write stories or ways to investigate... <laughs> Thanks. We should do that, but now here we are. We'll just let's talk. Do a thirty. Let's do our. We'll do a twenty for twenty on. That. Twenty for twenty. <laughs> we'll put it. We'll put it on the list. Put on the list of uh of podcast ideas. All right. What else? What else is in NBA, Marlo? I see you got another note here. Okay, I got. Uh, did you see uh, Rose's <laughs> documentary Poo uh, dropped this past week? Wait. It. Yeah, it's called Poo. It's called Poo. P H O O H. I don't know. Poo, something like that. It's his. It's his nickname from childhood. Oh, like Poo, like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, like Winnie the Pooh. Oh. Yeah, tough name for a documentary, huh? Yeah, that doesn't come across. Uh, you know, spoken spoken word <laughs> doesn't come across in a while. Does not come across. Oh, I. Uh, Why? Well, no. Who knew that? Nobody knew that. <laughs> Kalapari yeah, didn't even know that. It's like it's like like five of his friends knew that, and he's like, yeah, let's just call it Poo. Yeah, it's a good one. I did not know. I uh, didn't see it. Didn't pop up on my Netflix. Is it on Netflix? No, it's on. It was like on. Uh, it's filmed on this uh, show because on the Stadium Channel online. Stadium oh online. no, no. Anyways, anyways. Internets. How do they? How do they work? It's on the internet. Pretty decent <laughs> documentary. But I think the biggest thing they had the cameras rolling when he got the call from BJ that he was getting traded from the Bulls to the Knicks. Okay. Um, and that. You know, I think it's been documented, and you know, like, I, D. Rose, I didn't like the way it ended in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, when he got traded at that point, I thought it was like they had to cut ties. Yeah. With the way he was being managed by his brother and BJ and all that stuff. Um, but seeing that part of it and basically, you know, his reaction to it, it made me come back to D. Rose. It made me come back and like him because uh, it made it very, very personable yeah and man seem like you know it's you sometimes you forget that these are people right oh for sure and um and bring the emotion to it but that was kind of the you know the documentary is okay but for me that was kind of the the craziest part the most emotional part was just like watching him very young person go through being identified as the the chicago athlete yep. pretty much your whole life for actually your whole life up until that point yep. and then just being traded away hmm. and like not knowing how to deal with that so if you get a chance, I say check it out. Okay. 
Yeah, no, I I think it'd be interesting. It kind of as you as you were saying that, I was kind of thinking of the really good article on uh, Jay Williams a couple couple years ago. Kind of as he looked back on his time in Chicago, his obviously you know quick rise and then his injury. You know that kind of I was thinking about the parallels of that with D Rose. Obviously, D Rose reached higher heights and then had the injury uh, and then had a much longer kind of tail end to his career. Um, what do I mean? That's two in a row, right? For Chicago, two guards, yeah, uh, coming up who had who looked like you know top level NBA players, you know, players that would take you at least to the playoffs, if not farther. Uh, that got derailed by injuries. Uh, it's it's tough to it. I was tough to see. It's tough to follow, and I can't imagine seeing it from uh, D Rose's eyes. Um, so I, I, I might check it out just from that kind of. Uh, see that side of the emotional standpoint because a lot of times you, f- you you hear people talk about in NBA uh, Twitter or you know on TV about like players as assets and like moving them and and the contracts that they have and that sort of thing and you lose a lot of the personalness to it and you know for somebody like D Rose who identified so much with the city of Chicago and kind of being uh, you know for all intents and purposes the next great player since Michael Jordan to get injured and then have to be traded uh, would have to be pretty tough. So I might check it out. Pooh is a terrible name for the documentary. Uh, <laughs> I, I would, I would have, I would have worked Rose into the name somehow. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. or a thorn. I don't know something off the name Rose instead of instead of Pooh. Because I don't know. Maybe it's just having a three year old in in the house. <laughs> when you hear Pooh, you think something different. Right. Uh, all right. That's it for the NBA wrapping up. That up, Marlo? Yep, NBA. All right, that's a wrap. All right, on to Marlo, NHL. Did you know? Have you heard this? Have you heard this? There's a a league called the National Hockey League. Right? Let me check. Yeah, National Hockey League. It's happening. They're in the playoffs. They're like uh, halfway, halfway through the first round. Um, So let's, I think we should just acknowledge that. It's totally happening. Totally happening. Uh, The NHL playoffs are. Yeah, the teams that we root for, uh, you obviously, uh, the Blackhawks, me, uh, a uh, quasi Red Sox, Red Sox, <laughs> Red Wings fan. Uh, neither of those are in it, so I, it's hard for us to plug in. Uh, if I look through, uh, I'm looking at the Stanley Cup playoffs bracket right now, and what jumps out to me, Marlo, is the Islanders have a 3-0 lead on the Pittsburgh Penguins, which that'd be interesting to me to oh. to see. Two's happened, and also uh, Columbus has Canada's a... Canada's back, so that means Canada's back. Yeah, well... Well, because <laughs> New... <laughs> Islanders says like Canada? Canada is back. Uh, more, at, at least Calgary uh, and Toronto are, are in the playoffs. I think that this is the Winnipeg Jets, too. They're down 2-0, though. So there's, oh. there's three Canadian teams in there. Uh, other thing that jumps out to me is the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, who are not like I'm going to root for a Columbus uh, team or anything, but they're up on Tampa Lightning, who I thought were the one of the favorites to win, um, but they're down 2-0 to the Blue Jackets. And that's all I got on hockey. I'm uh, starting to get dialed in. I'm starting to. I know it's happening, Marlo. I'm I'm monitoring it. Uh, haven't seen a game yet. Haven't seen a game yet. Been a little too distracted, but. Um, Maybe next round. I think next round I'm gonna be a little more dialed in. How about you? Any any thoughts on getting more dialed in? Um, and that was talking NHL. All right. No, <laughs> no, no. Maybe we'll get somebody who actually knows something about hockey on 
that might be fun. That might be fun. Uh, I'll start. It's too. It's too early. Once it starts narrowing down the teams, I'm really interested in the Penguins losing. I think that would be fun. Um, and I know the Islanders have like a tortured history, so that would be a pretty. That even winning that series, I think, would be a pretty big win for them. Um, not to sell them short on what they may do beyond that. All right. If you th- way too early. if you thought that was a short amount of time to talk about a whole sport, wait till you get to our baseball segment. All right, Marlo, baseball. Last week, stat of the week, Chris Davis was in some crazy sort of funk. I don't even remember what the stats was. It was something like 46 uh, hitless appearances in a row. Uh, and the streak is over. Chris Davis has done it. He went 54 at-bats without a hit. Um, the Orioles stuck with him because they're paying him an ungodly amount of money. Um, but he finally, finally, finally got a hit. Ending the streak, um, and then he went three for five on the day with two doubles and uh, some amount of RBIs. So, congratulations, Chris Davis, on the yeah. most futile streak in baseball. I would imagine, and I, so to be honest, after um, we talked about the streak last week, I kind of tuned in and watched some of the highlights of his plays and kind of followed the streak a little bit more, just because I thought it was so fascinating, and the shift is so brutal for Chris Davis. He is such a pull hitter. The fact that if you go back to when his huge contract was signed, the people weren't shifting. Teams were shifting as much as they are now. And he was able to get away with it. And that's why he had kind of the production. He did. He had a little more home runs back then and made what seemed like a little bit better contact. But the shift just murders him. He can't not hit into the shift. And it was so tough to watch because it's like, oh, there's a line drive. Oh, the short stops playing and out of position and it just went right to him it's just, it was so brutal uh but he is hopefully off the schneid and can just be a normal baseball player uh from now on but man that was a tough streak to follow i don't i don't understand why baseball players get away with like oh well, they had the shift on me uh excuse why they get away with the excuse yeah like that'd be i, just I mean like an NBA, that's like an nba player like oh they they weren't guarding me at the free throw line. Like just take the shot. Like do something else or drive past them. Like why why is why can't they change their skill set up to go to go against whatever shift they're putting on? I mean, it's something that hasn't been done. I mean, he's what thirty something years old. That hasn't been done throughout his life, and all of a sudden he's been hitting this way and been able to hit the ball this way. And now defenses are reacting differently. Um, it's I mean. Uh, so maybe that's hard to, to react. I don't. I didn't make it past eighth grade in baseball, so I don't know how hard it is to yeah. to yeah. to change your swing to do the those sorts of things. Uh, but on the other hand, I look at you know Brooke Lopez in uh, on the Bucks who is shooting like forty percent from three and he's seven feet tall. And it's like, oh, the game changed. I should change how I play the game and be able to do this other thing well. So I I, I see that I, it might be harder in baseball. And it's just it. It's kind of like all of a sudden they changed the rules or changed how the game is played, more so than just like oh people leave you wide open from the free throw line. Um, it, I don't know, but you see that in basketball too. Like they, you know, don't give somebody their left hand all of a sudden, and it's like that changes how they yeah. play. Uh, and maybe baseball, I, I don't know, but maybe baseball is a little bit harder to adjust to than 
than than basketball or some of the other other sports. I don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a real answer. I'm just kind of guessing at it. All right, baseball said the week, Marlo. Last week, yeah. in the same game, Chris and Yelich and Lorenzo Cain both scored their 500th run in the same game. Wow. It's the first time it's happened since, I think they said the dead ball era, which was like 1900 or something. So I don't know if it happened before then. Maybe records weren't available. I'm not sure. But probably the first time ever that that has happened in a game. Um, so pretty cool. I can't imagine. That seems so random. It can't happen again. So baseball set of the week. Go Brewers. First place in the NL Central. Um, tough. Tough. They're in the midst of a tough West Coast road trip. They got swept by the, what do, what do the Angels call themselves now? The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim or something stupid like that. Yes. Yeah. Got swept by them, but then won two of one, uh, losing the uh, series finale against the Dodgers, but winning the first two. Um, so, I don't know. When you go out west, it's it, it's always tough as a Midwest or East Coast team. Uh, plus, those games are on so late. It's hard to follow. I was watching. Uh, funny story. I was watching the Brewers game. Uh, I had it on my phone next to my bed, and it was the eighth inning. Hater was on, and I was trying to fall. I was trying to stay awake. I was so tired. So I'm watching this game. This is an old man story. <laughs> I'm watching the game and fall asleep. And all of a sudden, my phone like it's propped up and it falls down. <laughs> Makes this loud noise. I wake up. Hater strikes him out. Ends the inning. <laughs> That's great. It's like perfect timing. Phone falls, so I wake up to watch the end of the inning. Uh, missed the ninth inning, but Brewers ended up winning. <laughs> the phone knew I was asleep and knew I wanted to see Hater strike him out. So. Uh, great job, phone. Good job, phone on that. All right. Any other pro sports, Marlo? <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought that I story. I, that story up. I can't follow that story. Up. I thought that story would be a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> I told it. And I was like, that doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> oh well. Oh well. It was. I thought. I thought it was interesting, Marlo. All right. On to. Well, normally we do this first, but we're gonna we're gonna do this last on campus, Marlo. Uh, we're a little bit late on this, but I don't know if uh, you heard, Marlo. I don't know if our, our listeners heard, Virginia. Are the national championship champions of college basketball? Um, a lot of takes already out there, Marlo. I don't know what we can add, uh, but I just kind of wanted to recap uh, the the way they did it. Um, it just it just so obviously we go back. I don't know if you heard this, Marlo. They lost to a 16 seed that had never happened before. I don't know if you knew this. No, um, first reporter here. Yeah, uh, but the thing that I thought was most impressive about Tony, the Tony Bennett and the team was they didn't run from it. They addressed it. They kind of talked about it all year. They used they wore it on their shoulder. They wore it as like an armor to like it can't get worse than that, which I think is amazing. Like to to have that sort that level of failure occur and to bounce back and respond in the way that they did, winning the regular season ACC. They didn't win the tournament, but whatever. And then, and then winning the tournament is, it, it just the resiliency, the persistence that they were able to do that. I thought was amazing. So I wanted to touch about that first. Um, but then the way in which they did it, I mean, they had to be the best story of a team of destiny of all time. From losing that 16 seed, coming into this season, being a one seed again, being down at halftime to a 16 seed, down double digits in the first half, uh, to having the perseverance to not panic, to come back in that individual game, 
and then to come back, I'm just going to rattle them off here, Milo. In the lead eight, they were down 70-67 to 67 with five seconds remaining. They win that game. In the final four, they're down 61-57 to 57 with 17 seconds remaining in the game. They win that game. In the championship game, they're down 68-65 to 65 with 12 seconds remaining. They win that game. It's unbelievable. It's when we were going through the tournament, and Duke won um, over uh, was it Central Florida, and then over Virginia Tech. I was kind of like, "God darn it, Duke is the team of destiny. Duke is the team that's going to win all these BS games." <laughs> and I'm going to be so mad when it ends. And they and I look back and go, "They should have lost these flipping games early in their early in their tournament." Virginia did that from the lead out. They just won the BS games they shouldn't have won. And I, I think it goes back to that composure. It goes back to them losing the 16 seed, knowing it can't get any worse than that, not losing their heads in any of these situations, and executing down the stretch. And sure, getting some bounces, getting some calls, whatever. But this team, who lost their shit a year ago to a 16 seed, kept their composure and came back and won all of these ridiculous scenarios. So hats off to them. And as somebody who was kind of rooting for them the whole time, it was a lot of fun to follow. I think I said from the beginning they were a team of destiny. I don't know why everyone's so surprised. Because <laughs> <laughs> it normally doesn't work like that. <laughs> it's normally the flipping dukes of the world who are the teams of destiny yeah. who have the bounces go right. Uh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think to your point, I don't think they win this year without losing that game last year. I don't think they win those close games without having that that disappointment and I you know wearing <clears throat> wearing that lost in his sleeve I, I yeah I give the kids a lot of credit but there's no way they were gonna be able to hide from it no one's ever done that before and if you're getting especially doing that in you know 2018 2019 yeah um, you know everywhere they went they heard about it so you, you, it's one of those things like you know you can't really say anything to me because I've already said it uh, type of mentality so I just thought it was a hell of a tournament for Virginia all their games were it's certainly entertaining. Um, and it also shows that that style of basketball can win. <laughs> oh, but well, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about that, but before you go that, I, I wanted to add to the, them kind of responding to it and coming back from it. It was essentially the same team. It was all of the same guys. Yeah. Like, so it, it's not like a situation where the team lost heartbreakingly and then like, a couple moving on the pros or graduated or whatever. Everybody was back. Everybody had been through that 16 seed loss. I thought I just want to point that out, but it does show Marlo as everybody, as you mentioned, and most people have poo pooed along the way. Shout out to D Rose. Um, they, <laughs> uh, that style, a slow paced, let's say defensive style can win. So, as obviously we're watching this through. No, no McDonald's. Well, I think they did have a McDonald's element. Yeah, they, I mean they have they have Hunter's going to be a lottery pick. Um, it yeah. sounds like now, um, Ty Jerome is going to be picked in the first round. It seems, and Kyle Guy might go in the second round. So they have some yeah, NBA yeah, talent. But those players, players, they all work. They all worked up there. They didn't come yeah. out of high school knowing they're going to go pro. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, Kyle Guy was like uh, Mr. Basketball Indiana, but he wasn't like a pro prospect. He obviously wasn't a one-and-done guy. These are guys who were at school. DeAndre Hunter, two years, I think. Um, Kyle Guy uh, and Ty Jerome, uh, three-plus years. So, um, yeah, they, they went into a program, learned how to play in that program, 
developed and got better. And that's, you know, as we look at this through our red and white glasses, Marlo, we see a lot, obviously, beyond the, the Tony Bennett similarities, which we'll talk about in a little bit. It feels like a little bit like this could, I don't know, it's dumb to say because obviously we're in a championship game a couple of years ago. So it feels like this could happen, but it kind of reassures that Wisconsin could have another chance because let's be honest, Wisconsin fans are kind of like, we had our shot and we missed it, right? I feel a little bit of that. We had our shot and we missed it. I, I think that's yeah. still true, but like, I think this win shows maybe we can get back. Well, it just shows you're not that far away. That yes, basketball has changed. Yes, it's it's you know I'm not gonna say it passes by, but it's a difference. It, most of the teams play a different style than we do. Yep. Um, Virginia happens to play that style, and they happen to be really good. And they had uh, you know year in year out with. And then on top of that, they just won the national title. So I think for me, and I think a lot of fans kind of share this, it just reiterates that, oh, maybe we aren't that far away. Mm. I still feel like we're far away, but I feel like there's it provides a it provides it's a path. It sh- it shows that we can can get back to this to the, I don't I don't even know if I want to say to that same apex that Virginia has because I think they have some you know, advantage over Wisconsin, but we don't need to get into that. But uh, it shows that this style can be still very successful in college basketball and that Wisconsin can maybe get back to that. I I, I, don't, I found it encouraging. And I, I even if, if Texas Tech had won, I would have found some things, I think, out of that. Just the fact that both those teams were in that championship game, I thought was kind of encouraging to Wisconsin fans as far as our ability to get back to those final fours and national championship type games. Obviously I don't, not in the near term, but by near term, I mean like next year or two, but like, Oh yeah, no, no, but like going forward. So we had an interesting conversation about kind of branching off of that Marlo, uh, your Tony Bennett dream yeah. that you still, you're still selling. Uh, we had, uh, we were one step closer. <laughs> well, we'd be a lot step closer to Tony Bennett came. Uh, we had we had a, a mutual friend ask, uh, "Does this make it more or less likely that Tony Bennett comes to Wisconsin?" And we both immediately responded with opposite answers, which I thought was hilarious. So, you, uh, because I think you're blinded <laughs> by your ho- by your hope, uh, said it makes it more likely. So I want to hear why you think it's more likely this uh, leads Tony Bennett to Wisconsin. I because I think. Deep down, Tony Bennett wants to be home in Wisconsin. It's easy out after you win a national title to say, hey, I've done everything that I need to do here. I've accomplished I've accomplished the top of the mountain. I can now leave in good standings here, in good faith, and go back to what I actually want to do and build a program in Wisconsin and do the same thing. God, that reads a lot into what Tony Bennett wants to do. Uh, I said, I immediately... <laughs> I I would love if that was his burning desire deep down in his heart. I would I would obviously love that. Um, my initial reaction was less likely because uh, I tried to think of what coaches have won national championships at a program and then voluntarily left. And the only person I could think of was Roy Williams. Yes, Roy Williams, who w- won at Kansas, right, and then went yep. to North Carolina, his alma mater, uh, and. I guess you could argue Tony Bennett has a he, he didn't play at Wisconsin he played at Green Bay right um, so he has quote unquote Wisconsin basketball background uh, playing for his dad there um, 
I I I see that connection. I just don't think it's as strong. Uh, and I don't know anybody else who's left a national championship. Uh, correct, uh, correct, listeners, correct us if we're wrong uh, on that. But that was the only one. So just when he won a national championship there, I think it's like he either stays forever <laughs> or goes on to a, a better job, which I think for him is NBA. What's it? No. Or, or... Which is NBA or Duke, North Carolina? Oh, that uh, suicide. Okay. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what else would get him out of Virginia other than those two things. I agree. I, I think his his style would be a very weird fit for North Carolina, and I don't know what the hell Duke is post Coach K. But I think Tony Bennett could give them an identity post post Coach K. Sure. Sure. So maybe that's a thing there. But in my mind, those are the two. I mean, Cal is obviously. I I don't even think Kentucky could get him away. Kansas probably not. Obviously, UCLA just hired Mick Cronin, so <laughs> they're not gonna hire the likes of Tony Bennett. My God, what a disaster that coaching hire was, or coaching. I don't. I shouldn't say the hire is a disaster, although I think it might be. Uh, the coaching search was that was a it has to be embarrassing for UCLA. All right. Anyway, we weren't gonna talk about that. We shouldn't talk about it. All right. Virginia, congratulations. What a fun ride it was. Uh, thank you for giving hope to programs like Wisconsin and hope that Tony Bennett yes. can come and show welcome up. welcome to Wisconsin, Tony Bennett. Yeah, thanks. Gonna be, I'm going to squat on that. Right All right. Now. Welcome, Tony. God, I love that take. I'm just going to ride or die with that take. That's fantastic. All right. Uh, on campus is Marlowe. There have been spring games. Spring is in the air. Snow is on the ground, but I'm told it's yeah. middle of April, so there have been football games. No, there have been practices. There have been, no yeah, games. yeah, okay. No Here's games. our spring games. So, <laughs> spring games, a lot happened, a couple happened last week, a lot happened this week. <laughs> I am so, I'm just so, I, I know there's schools that get really excited about these yeah, things. Yeah. We are not one of them. We, we, and we, we don't even have a game anymore after the whole Lee Evans debacle back when we were in school. Um, <laughs> yeah, we just have what they call an open practice, which let's, you know, why are we going outside to watch this? But, let me just let me let me get you some numbers first, and then I have then we have a question. Right? Okay. So spring game attendance, the top four, three of them are in the Big Ten. Ohio State, Michigan. No, I, I don't even know if Michigan went yet, but they're for some reason they're not top four. So here's the top four. Uh, oh, it's Penn State, Penn State, State, Penn State Ohio Penn State, State sixty one thousand, Ohio State sixty one thousand, Alabama sixty two, yeah, Nebraska eighty six thousand. <laughs> What? Is Nebraska, like, Nebraska's back. You know what? Uh, have you been to a spring game? No, I uh, no game? never. Nope. Okay, so I've been not even when I not even when we were on campus or anything, and not when we lived not even when we lived across the street. <laughs> right. right. So I couldn't even be bothered <laughs> to cross the street. To watch this glorified practice, right? That said, we're really great fans. We are fantastic fans. No, of- <laughs> that's, what that's what I'm saying. So I, I, you know, like I just read these top ones, like Penn State, yeah. Ohio State, Alabama, Nebraska. Alabama, yeah. okay, like they're just good every year. Maybe you rock. Maybe maybe just squash that off. Okay. Yeah. Let's think in your head, Penn State, Ohio State, Nebraska, and just think about their fans for a second. 
this is like the best time of the year because they have so much hope. They have all the hope. Yeah. They have all the hope and they're going to win this game. They're going to win this <laughs> game. And there's yeah. no doubt about it. So this is very exciting for them. Mm. So. I don't know. I, I, I'm just, I'm just trying to ones, think. Are we the dumb ones here? I don't feel like it. I just feel like we have better stuff to do on Saturday I don't, well, in the spring. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I'm trying. I'm trying. In my mind, I'm kind of comparing it to like preseason stuff that the the Packers do, and like mm-hmm. that always gets huge crowds. And it's like, but it's a lot different because it's a lot more family friendly. It's a lot more geared towards that, and like it's kind of an the only real opportunity that you can afford to freaking go up to Lambeau Field for a Packers thing <laughs> as a family. Oh, yeah. So it's a little bit different. So maybe there's a little bit of that. Um, I think it just shows how much these, I mean, these, these programs, obviously if you, when you were listening to them, I was, I, I felt like I was able to guess that's how much these fans care about these programs. And not that we don't care about the Wisconsin program, but it's, I don't know. It, it feels a little less all encompassing. Which I think is a good thing. I think it's a good thing for Wisconsin fans. We have other sports to think about. We have, you know, baseball. Just saying, as a Wisconsin fan, we have uh, Bruce kicking off baseball season. We have Wisconsin basketball this year. But we have the Bucks doing well. We have other things to divert our attention. That in Nebraska, you're really not getting. In Penn State, you're pretty much really not getting. In Ohio, are you really getting not really? So I think it's just a kind of a, a diversion of interest that I think serves a, a sports fan, like a general sports fan like myself, better. Right? I don't need to worry about betters right now. I'll read about what's happening. Right. But I don't need to go to the game because I'm going to watch. I mean, this year just so happens a Bucks playoff game, or like I'm going to start following the Brewers. It's I don't know. I think a healthier overall healthier sign than. Uh, maybe it signals a little bit of I don't want to say desperation. That's not the right word, but no, uh, eighty-six maniacal focus. It's a maniacal focus, maniacal on, focus. on these yeah. on these programs. Um, that I mean, but they're outside of Nebraska. They're kind of the best programs. So maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's good, right? Maybe it's good yeah. for it's good for probably the, for these football programs. Yeah, I, I just don't I don't I. How does Penn State get that many? That's crazy. Ohio yeah, State, I would have thought Penn State would have been probably my second, my second tier of guesses. Yeah, here and I'll, I'll round out the top ten. So then after Penn State, it's Clemson at sixty, Tennessee yeah. fifty-one, Oklahoma, Florida, Notre Dame, West Virginia, Kentucky, Arkansas, Pitt, and Pitt had eight, so like eight thousand. So and that's the tenth. So it, it drops pretty uh, far pretty, off pretty after far. Notre Dame. And I, yeah, I mean, and you kind of think about that. Those are places that have, and maybe this is just how college sports is, right? There, you know, places don't have those other sports, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Right. We, we might have yeah. to look at it a little bit more. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm formulating this thought as, as we go through it. But yeah, on the- uh, yeah, get a life, Ohio State fans. My God. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, we're like what? Oh, for our last five against. I don't want to talk about it. All right. <laughs> So, now that we've just shit on talking about spring football, on Badger's spring football, Marlo. <laughs> Looks like your boy uh, Cone is taking uh, most, if not all, the first team snaps. Although, it's yep. it sounds like Mertz is kind of 
when he gets in, he is impressing. So, uh, what do you take? What do you take of that? This seems par for the course for Paul Chris. There's no way he's going to just let Merce run with the first team uh, at, after spring practice. Yeah, um, which is totally fine by me. Um, yeah, and I think uh, you know, obviously, not, I don't have credentials. I'm still working on it, so I haven't been to practice. But from what I hear, yeah, Mertz is Mertz is looking pretty decent, and it's just you know, I feel like by the time fall comes, if he's not starting that first game, I think by the time Big Ten plays, he'll be starting. Yeah, what's what's frustrating for me is we hear that Cohen starting, and I've read that he's doing well and he's playing well, and I think back to last year where. He practiced well and whatever, and then he just didn't do shit in the games. Yeah. And I don't like, I don't, I don't know if I. It's just the reporters that are around the team. I I can't imagine they're lying to me, right? Like it's just there's something different, and he looks good in practice. And then the game, either they don't let him play, which I think is part of it, right? They just don't let him throw downfield. Or he's just a different player in the game, so, which if that's the case, we need to realize that and and move on. Um, but I've heard a lot of good things from him in practice, and I've seen a lot of not doing anything in the time playing time he's had. So something needs to change. Something needs to be figured out there, and maybe it's my understanding, but like that's the gist I'm getting from it. Um, and I. I, I'm kind of wanting Mertz to win it just because I've seen Cone play, right? And it's not great. Yeah. It hasn't been great. And maybe he's had training wheels on and maybe they've kind of handcuffed his play calling. That's possible. But like if Mertz is as good as I want him to be <laughs> or I'm thinking he <laughs> I thinking he's You're going to be savior. right. Like he should win this job in my mind. And maybe that's not fair to him and maybe it's not fair the way that Wisconsin brings players in right Barry Alvarez had an interview over the weekend where he talked about what it takes for a freshman to play right away and he more or less said it's a very high hurdle there's a lot that freshmen have to prove before they can play which I kind of read as let's tap the brakes on Mertz a bit um but god he seems talented again I'm just getting press clippings and things I'm not obviously we're not on the field not right. we're not at that level yet, yeah, Marlo. Our credentials are in the mail. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. So now that we've read far too much into spring games, Marlo, that we, or the spring practice that we said we weren't going to, and laughed at people who cared about it. That's it. Uh, anything else on 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 campus? Uh, no, I think that's it. Oh, Michigan State got cool new jerseys. Not oh, did you like them? I was going to bring that up. No. Uh, did no, you like them? They're t- helmets cool. The jerseys, not so much. I didn't like the big state, the neon state. Yeah, the neon state. It, it was too much. Yeah, God, I'm an old man. I don't know. I, I just feel... <laughs> I Honestly, I looked at it, and I'm like, I bet younger people think this is cool. <laughs> I think it's so tight. It's so hot. Uh, I, I don't like the vision. I mean, the basketball team had a couple of those neon jerseys yeah, this year. They're okay. They're okay. I I don't know. I Neon... See, I think, yeah, I think it's just I'm an old man. It's like... Neon's coming back. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, back when we were in yeah. like middle school, neon was cool. Now, it's, yeah. now it's on its way back. It's on its way back. Okay. That's when well. you know it's bad. All right, that's it for around campus. Uh, now let's get into everyone's favorite segment, Casey's corner kick. <laughs> All right, Marlo. Uh, thanks for the great lead-in, as always. Uh, so 
We'll start out as we do with uh, following Liverpool. They had their first quarterfinals match against Porto in the Champions League uh, earlier in the midweek. They won 2-0 to zero at home. Uh, and in the Premier League, they won this morning 2-0 uh, to zero over Chelsea. Marlow was a tough watch this morning, uh, mainly because I was back and forth between that and... Uh, the Masters. So this was kind of we talked about earlier. If it was nice to have the t- starting time moved up, uh, it didn't help for watching both of those things uh, at the same time. And Hulu really doesn't have a good like way to watch two things at once. There's no back button. There's no flashback. That I feel like that should be an easy upgrade. Well, should we reach out to Hulu? Kind of say if I hit a this button on the keyboard, just do a flashback thing. That seems easy enough, doesn't it? Yeah. It's software. You can do anything. Yeah, right. yeah. It's not... They don't have it. It's tough. Um, so, uh, with that, uh, Liverpool remains on top of the uh, Premier League by two points over Manchester City. Manchester City still has a game in hand. So, Liverpool has four games left while Manchester City has five. Liverpool has a... This was kind of the most difficult game Four Liverpool left. Their remaining games are at Cardiff City versus Huddersfield, away to Newcastle, and hosting Wolves. All winnable games um, going out. So this was kind of the toughest hurdle left. Uh, However, Manchester City looks freaking awesome the last couple games. And I I don't see them losing. If City wins out, they win. God, so it's so... So stressful, Marlo. Let me tell you these games. Uh, and Liverpool, the fans are feeling it. They haven't won. Oh boy, I should know. I should know the date. Let's just say twenty years. They haven't won a Premier League title, and this is a club that bills themselves or thinks of themselves as a uh, title contender every year. And to not have won in twenty years, it's I would say on par with Dallas Cowboys fans as far as their expectations. But add in like Cubs fans of before they won stress about it. It's like that combination, that window of Cowboys fans, but the Cubs level of stress. So while uh, they have these games, the fans nervousness might play a role in it. If things don't go well, especially in those home home games, but uh, it's really shaping up to be a great premier league race um, between these two teams. Uh, they've really separated themselves from the rest of the pack. There's an interesting race for fourth place with uh, Arsenal, United, and Chelsea all within three points. And that's so Marlo, the fourth place team gets in fourth place and up gets in the Champions League. So it's a pretty significant, uh, at least, um, I guess, uh, achievement, but more so revenue for each club. So that's kind of a, an important level to reach. So all those teams are, are kind of racing for that. <clears throat> So I mentioned that the Champions League uh, game happened uh, this midweek uh, with Liverpool winning 2-0 over Porto. Um, Tottenham beat City 1-0, which was kind of the upset of the week. Uh, Ajax and Juventus tied 1-1, and Barcelona defeated United in Manchester 1-0, as they say in the soccer world. Uh, the return games of that are this Tuesday and Wednesday. So this Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to narrow it down from 8 teams to four teams um obviously with the two nil win um liverpool is pretty favored to move on uh tottenham winning ones are over city city has to do work at home but they tend to do that uh they tend to 
struggle on the road, but just dominate at home. Uh, Juve's returning home against Ajax at with a draw at Ajax, so that bodes well for them. And Barcelona returns home with a 1-0 lead on United. So uh, I guess if you were a betting man or you kind of were putting some odds, you'd expect Liverpool, uh, City, even though they're down 0-1, Juve and Barca still all to move on. So watch for those Tuesday and Wednesday. If you're doing not doing anything at work or want to be distracted from work from uh, roughly 2-4, to four, tune into that. Um, it'll be a, a lot of fun, and that's what I'll be doing as well. So that's it for the corner kick, Marlo. Uh, getting down to it in the Champions League, really getting down to it in the Premier League. It's very stressful, and God, I just... I. Just hope Liverpool can pull it off because it'd be it'd be something this this season. Just to look back, it'll either way you look back, it's going to be a season to remember. But to be able to to win uh, the league would be uh, w- against this Manchester City team uh, would be something else. So so it's boiling down to oh old man league, Marlo almost forgot. Uh, we won, we won, we won a game. What? Yeah, it was amazing. We won, we won. We no, we we uh, we squashed all transfer talks because <laughs> we actually won a game. Uh, I don't know how we did it. We just somehow played better, <laughs> and it's not that even the team like it wasn't just that we played a a worse team because there are some teams in the league who aren't um, as good as the teams we were losing to. Uh, we just played well together for the first time in maybe ever uh, and won six to two. And I would argue that the referee gave the or the referee gave them two of the goals. Uh, but whatever, I'm not going to be a sore uh, winner and say that that happened. But he totally gave him two goals. Um, so yeah, it was it was a different feeling, a different feeling going into work on Friday, being like, "Hey, we won! All right, I felt good. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> a different feeling, a different feeling." So all right, that's corner kick, Marlo. Uh, we did it. All right, all right. That's it for the corner kick. Uh, last thing, Game of Thrones is. Actually, it's over with by now. We've been oh, by now? Th- we're even recording through it. Um, so I'm going to make some predictions. Sure to go wrong. Uh, so, everyone can- so everyone will have seen it, presumably, by the time that they see this prediction? Oh, yeah, 100%. All right. Dragons. <laughs> I predict dragons. Yes. And um, backstabbing. Uh, I only I only saw, like, three quarters of the first season. Marlo. <laughs> That's all I've seen. <laughs> Right. Oh, uh, yeah. So there's dragons. Um, death. No, no, no. There's gonna be no death in the first episode. Oh wow. Take. That's what okay. Take. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tyen Lannister. He's gonna win. He'll win. And there's no. That's ridiculous. That's the just episode one. Just episode one. Oh, he's gonna win episode one. Yeah. Or he's gonna win the. He's gonna win the Iron Throne in the end. No, he's just episode one. Just episode okay. one. Okay. All right. All right. That's all I got. Um, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for liking. Thanks for leaving a five star review. Uh, because I know you have already, but if you haven't, please feel free to do so. Check us out on Twitter at one third two breeze. Myself at Marlo Jr. Casey at Prof Badger fan. That's it for me, Casey. You got any last words? Yeah, uh, follow at Prof Badger Fan. There's going to be a lot of Bucks hot takes, a lot of Brewer stuff coming up, and uh, baseball stats as we follow this uh, this season. Uh, it's gonna. It feels like it's going to be a wild playoffs for the Bucks and a wild season for the Brewers as they have presumably like one and a half starting pitchers. So 
Uh, could be a crazy one. Uh, with that said, until next time, fellow fans, I hope that all your favorite teams win all the sports. 